Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, Episode Two: Quarantine. Uh, this is Matt Welch uh, being joined by Devin Hassan and Chris Jackson. So, guys, um, after last week's episode, when I went back through, and I guess it might have to do with um, just kind of the the record setting, since I'm technically hosting this on Zoom's mobile app. But um, when I'm talking, the only picture that shows up on the screen for um, on the video is mine. And then whenever one of y'all talk, then it switches to y'all's picture. So just to uh, to verify that you um you two are in fact still alive. Yes, I, I hopefully you can see me. Yes, I'm coming from my garage, like <laughs> says previously previously mentioned. Um, got four kiddos inside, and so I'm hoping they don't interrupt me like they did last week. <laughs> I'm uh I'm still in bed. I thought about switching up and going out to the kitchen, but I couldn't find a spot to keep my phone charged plus plug in my headphones. So I'm back in bed for this week. Uh, let's see, Chris, how about you, man? Where are you coming at? I am from my kitchen in Plano, so I moved from the couch <laughs> last week. I figured I'd give us a little bit of a different setting this week, you know? There's only so much you can do, so I'm trying to bring some excitement, a little bit of a thing. Yeah, man, you got a nice little uh, backdrop there. What are uh, what are some of those uh, those newspaper clippings? In the oh, I got, got all the uh, Warriors championship newspapers from the last few years. Okay, very cool, very cool. So, um, so yes, um, you know, last week we devoted the episode to just kind of digesting all the news with high school sports being canceled and whatnot. So um, now that we're, uh, you know, we've had a chance to kind of pick up the pieces, we can start kind of going forward with, um, I guess, our usual post-school year content. And as per usual, that's, that, uh, that means, uh, you know, we like to go back and kind of recap the year that was for, um, for each of our markets. So, um, yeah, we're going to start doing that today. Um, there's really uh, no rhyme or reason to it. Just going to, you know, do three, four markets a week until we hit all 14 and, uh, yeah, just talk a bit about the, uh, I guess, the abbreviated school year that was. It kind of stinks. We're only really going to get to, you know, hit the fall and winter sports really hard. And then maybe, I guess, talk a little about maybe what we might have foreseen happening in the spring with some of these teams and whatnot. But, um, yeah, certainly a, a very bizarre school year that we'll at least try to do the best to kind of put in perspective what all uh, what all took place within our respective markets. So, um, let's see. For this week, we're going to talk about Plano, Lake Cities, and Rowlett. Um, once again, no real rhyme or reason why I picked those three. It's just how it worked. And wouldn't you know, we all three, uh, we all three have a, uh, have a, uh, you know, what's one of our markets. So let's, um, I don't know, let's start, uh, Devin, let's start with Rowlett, man. Whether it was Saxe or Rowlett High School, obviously the, uh, the two high schools that you hit hardest in the, uh, in the Rowlett Lakeshore times. When you look back over the, uh, the 2019-2020 school year that was, what, is, um, what are you going to kind of remember most when you think back on what happened for Rowlett this year? You know, it, it was a fun the, – the first half of the school year or the, the sports year was a lot of fun. I mean, I go back to that Saxe and Rowlett football game. Um, you know, Saxe wins 42-40. to 40. Uh, it, It's just one of those classic games, you know, Rowlett jumps up 14 nothing. It was back and forth. They changed leads, you know, four times in the second, in the second half. Um, and, these, you know, these are bitter rivals. And um, Saxe ended up, ends up pulling it out by stopping a two-point conversion – 
um, with 21 seconds left in the game. And not only does that give Saxe, um, you know, they, they were already in the playoffs, but I share the district title, but it keeps Rylette out of the playoffs for the first time since 2004. So, you know, that's, you know, 16 years and, um, or 15 years, I should say. And uh, so, you know, just that was a talking point that I heard even going into other sports, because that's obviously something that's on their minds. Um, you know, volleyball, uh, you know, Saxe, uh, you know, they won 42 matches this year. This is a very good Saxe team that lost to Prosper, a very good Prosper team. Um, you know, 17-15 in, in a fifth set match. Uh, you know, they, they were just very good. Uh, and, you know, these two teams are kind of, have kind of been the class of GISD in, across the board. So you kind of saw that, um, you know, carrying into basketball. Obviously, Saxe girls, um, you know, they won 69 district games in a row. Uh, you know, they, they were two years removed from a state, uh, state tournament appearance, uh, won their fifth straight district uh, title. Um, you know, so, so they were good. And Rylette made – I mean, Rylette kind of gets overshadowed in girls' basketball by Saxe. Um, but they made their four straight uh, playoff appearance as well. And, you know, the Saxe boys basketball team kind of had a, had a high note. They won their first playoff game in school history. Uh, you know, Saxe has been so good at so many sports, but boys basketball has just kind of lagged behind until Zach Michael took over two years ago, and they really kind of caught fire. And, uh, you know, a thrilling game, 77-76 over a state-ranked Prosper team. So, you know, there, there were a lot of highlights there. Um, Many more to come, possibly, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> with um, with that football district, that was, uh, you know, for so long, you know, it's just been, it's been death taxes and Saxe just laying waste to everybody. Um, with his, with as much parity as that district had this year, when you think back, um, you know, was it a bit more enjoyable just to go through the, uh, the week to week of that, just knowing how up in the air everything felt? Well, you know, it was, um, you know, but I think, you know, you had, you had Lakeview named Forrest and Rylette that all finished in a tie for third. So Rylette just got edged out on a tiebreaker. But, yeah, there was that week-to-week -week where every game mattered as, as opposed to some – and you mentioned Saxe's dominance. Well, Rylette had their run of dominance, too, um, you know, years back. Uh, you know, but Wiley, the new addition to the girls joining the, uh, you know, seven GISD teams, uh, you know, they share the district title this year. Um, and, and Wiley has been a nice addition um, in terms of competitive – competitiveness across the board uh, but yeah it, it's it's fun when it goes into um i say week 10 but it's really week 11 um and, and you still have playoff bursts and district titles up for grabs and um you know i just i, I can't imagine just how excited uh, you know saxy and Rowlett for that matter must have been come realignment when they see that all those nine six a schools are getting shifted back to region one and because you look at, I mean, just what it, what that district kind of meant as far as, you know, denying teams like the Saxe girls basketball team or the volleyball team chances to, you know, potentially make a, a run potentially to a two state and whatnot. It just, it does go to show that, um, you know, just how, why we put such an emphasis as we do on realignment and just the strength of a region, how that really does kind of, you know, set the, uh, set the table for what a, a team is going to be, could be capable of in the postseason. Well, it, it does, but, you know, don't forget, it's, it's not just nice to say dominating this whole thing. you got the Woodlands District. you no got doubt. that Central Texas, uh, you know, with Waco Midway, who's, who's good at pretty much everything. Um, you know, the Colleen schools that feel some very good teams across the board. Um, yeah, it's a tough first-round matchup, but, you know, it wasn't like it was just a sweep every, every playoff appearance. Like I say, I, I mentioned the Saxe. That, that was the third round. They, they dismissed a 9-6-A opponent in the first round. So, yeah, 9-6-A, that beast, 
just because they're so big, um, you know, with you know, the Plano schools and Allen and Prosper, they're just so much bigger than everybody else. Uh, it certainly was a tough first-round matchup, but, you know, that region is a bear anyway. As far as um, kind of expectations for these teams that didn't get to finish their respective sports, were there any from Saxia Rowlett that you would have, um, you know, just kind of been curious to see what they could have done in the postseason if they were, in fact, given that opportunity? In terms of, like, soccer, for instance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, was, this, was there a soccer team that potentially you could have seen them, you know, doing some damage or a baseball or softball team, whatnot? Yeah, I mean, baseball and softball, it's really hard to tell because we haven't even seen – did you cover a baseball or softball game? No, dude, like I said, I, last week I didn't get to see Plano Ice yeah. or Allen even play soccer this year. It was so abbreviated. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying is, is we were just getting into soccer full-fledged, um, like we talked about before, and baseball and softball – we were getting to just we just haven't had a chance to really see anything so it's kind of hard to say um you know on the soccer side of things uh yeah I, I was interested to see um you know Rallette had a, a very good girls team uh Taylor Conway and Reagan Powell is are one of the top one two scoring combinations um in the area if not the state uh Reagan Powell I believe is committed to Alabama uh, she's just a junior, but I don't know if she's going to play next year. We'll see how this whole thing, uh, you know, impacts that decision. Um, you know, but in Saxie's always solid. Saxie's always a good team. Um, and on the boys' side, Rowland as well is leading the district. Uh, Kevin Adolfo and Carson Prestridge have been, you know, again, a scoring punch. Uh, you know, they wrapped up their 18th consecutive playoff appearance, and I think they could have done some damage. Um, you know, but it's, it's so hard to say. You know, we, we really have – didn't even have a chance to like analyze because you mentioned nine six eight and those soccer powerhouses over there how they would have matched up. But in the first round anyway, the, the Saxon Rowlett has have done a good job um, in getting out of that round in recent years. Uh, you know, so it's it, you know it is going to be a common theme. What might have been. You can talk a little bit of Lake Cities now, Chris, gave you a chance to chime in. You know, you came on board. Um, right near kind of the tail end of uh, basketball's regular season and whatnot. So, I mean, I've got some notes here from the from the fall stuff, you know, that I was a bit more involved in and whatnot. But from, uh, you know, obviously you came in, I mean, at a perfect time because you got to see a team oh, yeah. just catch fire and have, a, you know, the kind of dream <laughs> run that uh, a lot of teams, uh, you know, always envision at the start of the season. So, obviously, I'm guessing that's probably where we're going to start. But um, nevertheless, though, when you think back on just the year that was for, uh, for Lake Dallas specifically um just what kind of stands out most of all you look at it I did go back and I looked at football and volleyball how that went football one of those rare years they didn't make the playoffs obviously a lot of inexperience there tough schedule they lost a lot of close games you get all that inexperience it's going to cost you in those close games they lost four games by one possession a couple one in overtime another by two points but they've got so much coming back football's feeling good to make another playoff appearance next year, even with that new district they got coming up with realignment. But I came in during the heart of basketball season. Girls basketball just catches fire right then and there. They split the district title with state ranked Denton Braswell. They go on, won their first playoff game in 12 years. They won a couple more. Some wild games there. Just spoke about who Lake Dallas was this year. You think about it, they lose McKenzie Bust to an ACL injury. They have other injuries. The flu comes around. Allie Buchanan goes out for about a month. She comes back in that first playoff game, makes a huge difference. They win the second round and kind of a late run there. They're down a couple possessions at the end. They hit a couple of key shots. Bailey Broughton hits a three together within one. Georgia Elliott gets the game winning layup there, round two. Round three, Dorian Norris just picks up probably the biggest offensive rebound of the season. Honestly, 
you're probably not going to look at offensive rebounds as being the key plays, but if you look at it, that was probably their biggest play of the season at that point because that gets them to region. They go to the regional tournament, and Snyder, besides a rough first quarter against Amarillo, who was number one in the state at the time, they held their own there those last three quarters about neck and neck after that, just a slow start. Amarillo had the experience there, Lake Dallas did, and it's going to take some time there, obviously, to get that experience. But they had a great year. The soccer schools had a great year. Boys soccer story is remarkable because they go to the regional finals last year. They bring back most of their team. You think state's on their mind. They don't win a single game in pre-district, which is remarkable. 0-7. Then they just completely turn the corner. Their head coach, Brandon Martin, removes all their trophies in the middle of the season and says, it's bare right now. This Let's make some more trouble. Let's make some more history this year. So all of a sudden they go out. They don't lose a district game, 8-0-3, three ties in there. They win district 8-5-A again. And you got to think they're one of those teams. I know Devin kind of mentioned what could have been. It's the same thing for them. What could have been for them? They were getting hot at the right time. They had a great goalkeeper. You've seen how big a great goalie is in soccer, hockey. That'll take you so far. They had an abundance of scorers. So you were thinking probably states on their mind, depending on how playoff matchups go. Then girls soccer, they don't make the playoffs the last few years. Coach Nate Davis just comes in. Immediately they turn the corner, and they won district as well. So Lake Dallas soccer just completes that 8-5-A sweep. Yeah, with uh, with Lake Dallas coming into the uh, into the school year, this um you know in recent in recent years it's a it's a school that had been in such flux with head coaches. I want to say they entered the uh, they they entered the year with new head coaches in volleyball, girls basketball, girls soccer, and baseball. And then in the case of like the girls basketball program, this was their third head coach of the past three seasons. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, that was just kind of the the big thing is like okay, are we finally at a point now where Lake Dallas has its its core of coaches at least for the foreseeable future, and you. You know, they could finally hopefully start some sort of like sustained program building because I mean, yeah, you got to wonder just what that must be like for those girls basketball players having just a different voice to at the, at the forefront of the program for, I mean, these are kids now who've, you know, you who are juniors that had a, had a different head coach as a sophomore and had a different head coach as a freshman. So um, just to hopefully now with the, you know, with Jordan Davis in place there with the girls basketball program, Kristen Holbrooks with the volleyball program, that it's now a chance for those programs to finally begin to, you know, kind of fortify the, uh, I guess the future of their uh, of their programs with um you know with the football team like I just think back to the offseason and so much of what Lake Dallas wanted to do this season centered on Brandon Engel the Air Force commit you know he was um he's he's been one of the top wide receivers in the area for uh, for a while now and he was making the transition to quarterback you know following the graduation of, uh, of Ryan Depperschmidt and you know it was, it was basically just a case of like putting their best athlete their best overall football player and just wanting the ball in his hands as much as possible which I mean, hey hard to you know fault that strategy you know he was also I mean he was technically the back and quarterback last year too so it's not like they were just playing him out of position um but you know a lot of it you know kind of centered on what they could get out of Engel this year and he just couldn't stay healthy and when he went down like you said they just were just the inexperience and again that was a pretty quality district two that they were in um and they just had a lot of really close calls that perhaps if angles in there you know was able to operate at peak capacity that maybe that's a difference in you know two three more wins or whatnot on that regular season record but yeah just they just just couldn't get it going right but yeah, i mean yeah it's a program that you know tradition is very much on their side as far as teams that are accustomed to you know being in the in the discussion for district championships and making playoff runs and whatnot so i can't imagine that Lake Dallas football will be down for uh, for too terribly long. No, they're not going to be, especially they've got so much hope for their freshman and sophomore classes. They're saying 
I was talking to some of their coaches a week or two ago, and they were saying they've got eight freshmen right now that they think can really step in there and play. They've got a lot of sophomores. It's just a matter of two. And you look at it with Angle, sure, he was a backup experience, but you look at that too. He wasn't going to be getting as many reps as a backup. So most of his time is going to be at the receiver position. So that's going to be harder to step in there as a quarterback. He gets hurt. They throw in a new quarterback, but now he's coming back and they like having that experience with a quarterback because you get a second year with a quarterback in that system. You see at every level how much that benefits your team, how much it's even going to help them in these close games. So you got to think Lake Dallas is going to be back in the playoffs next year because it's so rare that they don't make it there. And it's, and it's especially harder when you're a 5A D2 score where you have less kids rolling through. So you, it's, it's going to be more difficult to have that sustained success. <coughs> Let's say some of these bigger 6A schools that have four or five, 6,000 kids. And, um, you know, like you had mentioned with the soccer team, that was, I mean, if you talk about teams that, like, you're just, you're bummed that they didn't get a chance to complete the season on their terms. Like, the boys' soccer team for Lake Dallas is right near the top of the list for me, just because, I mean, obviously, you know, following that team last season and the run that they went on when they got all the way to the uh, to the regional finals and just how, uh, you know, for a program that really hadn't experienced anything remotely close to that kind of success in the postseason, to see it all kind of come together and have kind of, you know, you know kind of akin to what the girls' basketball program had this year. Year and you know for it all to kind of click and fall in place and I mean I that game that I uh, their, their first round matchup last year which if you get a chance Chris go back and read the story of their first round matchup against Saginaw last year it's still the wildest soccer game I've ever covered um, but just to see then what they were able to accomplish last season and how again it was a team that had a legitimate state tr- tournament or bust expectation so you know it's been a, a bit of an uncharacteristic and an, an unorthodox I should say sorry um, you know path to get to this point but um, you know potentially with uh, with a chance at in the uh, in the cards that they're not going to get a chance, you know, to even get it, you know, have their say in that, you know, players like Brock Pope, Caleb Irving, you know, that have been around that program for so long, you know, Anthony Patty still has another year to go. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a team that had uh, had pretty high aspirations, and you just you feel for those teams particularly that aren't going to get a chance to to finish things on their uh, on their own terms. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, obviously it's a little tough to kind of glean into what could have been expected out of the uh, the baseball team this year. Um, but what was kind of the read so far and what you've been able to gather on them? Because that was a team that, you know, also, you know, much like the girls basketball team kind of had a bit of a surprise run to the, uh, to the regional tournament last season. Now, baseball, obviously you bring in your new head coach, Chris Haney, for your head coach, because Ryan Howard then goes to cop That's who on my mark. It's one of those coaches from one school to the other. But Chris Haney, obviously – well, I, Dev, I think Dev is, I'm, a, I'm alive. <laughs> Dev, is, that, is that a lawn chair you're sitting on in the garage right there? Huh? Is that a lawn chair you're sitting on right there? <laughs> Basically. I like – okay. Anyway, yeah, back here, on top. Here, here, here you go. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I just noticed that. I'm thinking I, – I, I think I got to ask what he's um, – but anyway, back to baseball. Obviously, first in the They're really distracting me. Chris Haney, first year Lake Dallas baseball. They had a really tough non-district schedule. That's kind of the way they wanted to do it. They had a lot of state-ranked teams, only won a few games, a lot of close losses. But you were thinking, too, they were starting to kind of find their identity, especially a first-year head coach. You're not just going to find your identity two games into the season. That's impossible to ask for no matter where you are. But they were starting to find it. And they really felt like they were finding the pieces to make a solid run in district play. But obviously, they don't have that chance. But Chris Haney just felt – he feels good about where this program's going. He's got state championship experience from his last stop at Colleyville Heritage when he was an assistant. Obviously, they made a state championship run. He got to coach Bobby Witt Jr. there, who was the number two pick in the 
Major League Baseball draft. So he's been around championship programs. He's brought that experience to Lake Dallas, but obviously his first year is cut short. Not how he expected it or anybody did, but there's still a lot of hope. He's really just, he liked what the senior class did for them leadership wise. They've got a lot of versatile players who can play two, three, four positions. He's had some kids that have played almost every position on the field. So he likes really where the future is with just how, how many kids he's got that can play, that can pitch, can hit, do pretty much everything. All right, I can close us out with some words on Plano in the year that was um, for that city. It was, a, it was kind of a unique year for Plano just because there was a, a lot of the most notable talking points for them happened off the field. Um, and you think back to, you know, I guess even even before the football <laughs> season started, the, uh, the headlines that were being made with, um, you know, with the story regarding Plano Senior and El Paso Eastwood with, uh, with that game being temporarily canceled, you know, in the wake of the El Paso shooting earlier in the summer. And obviously the, you know, the unique connection there with the, the shooter being a Plano alum and whatnot. But, um, but obviously when that story came down and then for a good 24 hours, I mean, just a decision that was just universally hand by folks all around the state you even had Beto O'Rourke chiming in on the on this I mean this was a national story that had uh, you know had Plano ISD being raked over the coals for uh, you know for this decision and um, it wasn't until you know the following day um, you know when you know Frisco ISD stepped up and kind of helped uh, you know helped with a uh, with a reversal of course by Plano ISD to get the game rescheduled um, to take place in Frisco at the uh, at the star and whatnot so I mean yes I mean a very very unique way to even uh, before football season even began and then you have what happened during the actual season itself with all three senior high schools Plano East Plano and Plano West all missing the playoffs for the first time in 30 years which is crazy again going back all the way to the 80s the last time that Plano ISD endured that kind of futility on the football field um, and you know within that you had Plano West which was mired in a 34 game losing streak that finally was able to come to an end late in the season in pretty you know dramatic fashion I mean they had a very very improbable three score uh, comeback against uh, against rival Plano East um, you know but nevertheless um, you know look at the chain reaction that just kind of stemmed from football season you know Gerald Brents their longtime athletic director he announces his retirement you know just a few weeks after the season and then you know you get into you know 2020 and then they announce the hiring of Jeff Smith the former uh, Prosper assistant AD, former McKinney head football coach. And then a week after he's brought on board, the longest tenured head football coach in the district, Jadon McCullough, he gets reassigned. So all of a sudden, Plano Senior's looking for new leadership with its football program. Then they, uh, they initially hire Cody Moore, the Denton Braswell head coach, to the point where, I mean, it was brought to the school board and I got to talk to him in person. I can confirm that it did in fact happen. You know, he was named the other head coach and introduced and whatnot. Um, and then less than 24 hours later, he, uh, you know, pulls the, I think we likened it to DeAndre Jordan, you know, leaving the, uh, the Mavs at the altar a, a handful of years ago. But, yes, he has a, a change of heart and decides to stay at Denton Braswell. Never seen anything like that in my career at the high school level. So, um, yes, I mean, that was obviously insane in the moment, just seeing how that all unfolded. Um, you know, just the, the sentimental fact of not wanting to leave a program that he helped build from scratch. You know, you can definitely, you know, sympathize with that and whatnot. But it obviously left Plano in a pretty crappy situation, you know, being that, uh, you know, you're already at this 
juncture of your offseason. Then you had the, you know, the coronavirus pandemic set in and they still don't have a football coach for their, uh, you know, for the Wildcats. They eventually do, uh, you know, get one hired, though, with former Lovejoy head coach Todd Ford taking the reins. But obviously, again, not going to get a chance to work out with those kids until August. So, I mean, we'll see what, uh, what long-term effects that has. But, yes, obviously all sorts of just chaos and calamity surrounding Plano ISD football this year. Um, you know, but as far as actual, uh, you know, teams, you know, team success goes, the three that, you know, jump out are, uh, you know, Plano West Volleyball, you know, got to the state championship game. One of those teams that had the, uh, the good old unfinished business mantra at the start of the, at the start of the season with the, uh, you know, with them getting a state the year before and falling short against fourth and Ridge Point. They actually got to rematch that same Ridge Point team in the semifinals when they got back to state. Um, you know, so were they, they a second seed? Was uh, was West a second seed? Um, I think they they split the district title with Prosper. I okay, okay. So I'm I, trying I, to forget. I, I, man, I don't I don't have the bracket in front of me. I forget who won the coin flip. I don't believe they had a uh, had a seeding match or anything. Yeah, I, I think they're the second seed. That's because uh, I was going through and looking at some of Saxe's stuff, and I think Prosper was the top. That's seed. right. They were because they would have played Saxe then in the third round. Because that's how that. Okay. Yeah. yeah so they yeah, were the two so. seed. So obviously impressive, Brad. I didn't mean to derail you there. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I mean, no, but that that matchup, that state semifinal rematch, again for all these storylines that surrounded it, given the history between those two teams, that produced one of the. I mean, that was my pick at the end of the year for the best game that I covered. Period that year, just an absolutely thrilling matchup with you know with Plano West. They just blow through them those first two sets, and then Ridgepoint just chips away. They're able to squeak out sets three and four, and it just sets up just a wild back and forth fifth set that Plano West ends up winning 15-13 and then they uh, they went to five sets again in the championship match against the nation's number one team and in, uh, in Byron Nelson ultimately though just the collective firepower of Nelson was just a little bit too much uh, Charity Looper, Paige Flickinger they were just uh, unstoppable down the stretch there so I mean you know a bittersweet end you know to the high school careers of like Jill Presley and Amon Jai who have just who really helped you know cement the uh, you know Plano West during this uh, this this reign of dominance they've had over the past three seasons and whatnot but um but yeah you know, Plano West Volleyball had an incredible season, you know, falling one win short of a state championship. Plano West Tennis almost added its trophy case by, uh, by getting back to the state championship match. They, um, you know, they were a team that had a bit of an uncharacteristic exit the year before, losing in the fourth round to Round Rock Westwood, number one team in the state. They went on to win a state title. They got to rematch Westwood in the, in the fourth round again this year, and they wound up uh, avenging that in, a, you know, in a, I believe, a 10-8 victory and whatnot, a, a very, very a dramatic victory for the West Tennis team. They get back to state. They uh, they uh, they do fall short though against Houston Memorial in a game that you know West felt like they kind of had a collective uh, control over. And then within like a like a five ten minute span, there was like four or five matches that all just turned on a dime in uh, Memorial's favor. And um, you know Plano West just couldn't recover, and Memorial ends up hoisting a state championship. And then um, you know the Plano girls basketball team, which we talked about a ton this year, obviously with uh, you know their uh, their story as well. There's been a well documented with them losing their best player, a potential. McDonald's All-American and Jordan Merritt early into the season. They're still able to recover, though, win a district championship, go to the regional finals. They just ran into a team of destiny in McKinney that uh, that just had a uh, just an out-of-its-mind out defensive performance against Plano in the regional championship. McKinney ends up going to the state, uh, the state tournament instead. But still, I mean, a, a terrific year for Plano. And then, obviously, there was big news, you know, during this whole situation with Rodney Belcher, who um, has, uh, has, you know, he led that program to their, uh, you know, their 
first ever state championship a couple of years ago. Well, he's now going to be heading back to the college ranks as he was named the first ever head women's basketball coach at the upstart UNT Dallas will begin its uh its tenure as an NAIA program in short order and yes coach Belcher has been called upon to lead them so uh yeah I mean uh Plano's uh currently in the search though for a new head basketball coach on the uh, on the girls side and it's still a team that's just shocked with uh with young talent though they only graduated two players really just one from the uh the rotation that was in that regional final so um it's going to be a good spot for whoever ends up taking over there um but uh yes you know so Plano girls basketball terrific season um and then I mean you got to talk about the year that was for John Paul, man, John Paul II. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this is, you know, having in a, you know, covered, uh, you know, John Paul and Prestonwood as part of our private school coverage in Plano for so many years. And, you know, looking at just year in, year out, John Paul, they had just been, you know, fair or not, they'd always been kind of like the little brother or so to Prestonwood, at least within Plano goes. And that's, you know, just the way it is, you know, look at just the, uh, the gym in Prestonwood and just, they've got state championship banners just that go all around the, uh, all around the walls of their gymnasium, you know, and John Paul had been slowly getting to that level though. And some, in some programs, but much like sexy boys basketball, Devin, the, the John Paul football program, just, it hadn't, it hadn't clicked yet. And um, it finally did click this year, though. They had their best season ever by every conceivable margin. They, I mean, they, they hadn't even won a playoff game in their history before this season. And then they were able to accomplish that. They go on to make it all the way to the Taft State Championship game. Ultimately, though, uh, Parrish Episcopal had just, uh, just a little bit too much. Uh, that Preston Stone kid, he's quite the quarterback. Um, but, you know, John Paul was one of those just to see a program that had been through such – I mean, that was a program that's not that far removed from a 33-game losing streak. So just to have it all just turn around the way that it has for them with just the influx of talent within the program and, you know, finally having the kids that are a bit more on the level of the teams that they've been going against over the years, like the Bishop Lynch's, the Bishop Dunn's and the Preston Woods. And now that John Paul's actually got the athletes to swing back, um, you know, they obviously had a, uh, that was a, such a, such a fun story covering them all the way to their state title game. And then the basketball team had one of the great single season runs ever in Taft basketball, winning over 40 games, winning a state championship, losing just one game all season. Um, you know, that's a, uh, you know, a nice little uh, feather in the cap for Frisco memorial of all teams that was able to hand uh, hand John Paul their only loss of the year um, you know but that was again one of the uh, team that was every bit as good as those juggernaut Prestonwood teams of the past just a team that was just loaded with just length and height and talent and just an absolute handful and it produced I mean one of the better basketball games they got to see all year their state championship game against Antonian was a was an absolute blast so um, yes they were able to win their first ever state championship um, you know, as far as teams with kind of some potential uh, unfinished business, um, I was really curious to see what Prestonwood's baseball team was going to do this year, just because, um, I mean, that was a team that was one of the uh, the top-ranked teams in the nation last season, and they uh, they just ran into the, uh, the hardships of the one-game series last season. In the very first round of the playoffs, uh, Trinity Christian beat them one to nothing. And um, just a, a pitcher's duel, they just, they just could not get any, any positive momentum going. And, um, I mean, that was a team that had ambitions of winning a state championship, obviously. And, uh, you know, and it's, it was kind of weird because I think back and I, I think it's – I want to say the, uh, the rule in taps was like – because naturally, Prestonwood, you don't want to play a one-game series. And, you know, think in UIL, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll just you'll flip for it. I think it was – I recall hearing the UI, the TAPS rule was the lower-seeded team can decide to play a one-game series if they'd like, which is That's really ridiculous. odd way. Yeah, and it's a really odd <laughs> way of deciding something like that. It's something to that, too. But I know that Prestonwood had no say in whether it was a one-game or not. So – 
yeah, I mean, they obviously ended up, uh, you know, they paid for it for sure by, uh, by losing in the, uh, in the first round. And they were off to a pretty great start this year. They were 14-1 and one before the season was suspended. Um, they were ranked number one in the state, just had an absolute boatload of college recruits and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, they, um, you know, just a shame that they won't get a chance to try to follow through on that, uh, on those goals from last season. Um, let's see, as far as other stuff from the spring, I was just, and this is like not even really Plano ISD centric, but I was just fascinated to see how 9-6-A baseball was going to shake out just because like you enter, you were entering district play, every team in the district was over 500 through the preseason schedule. You had five teams from the district that were state ranked. So it wasn't all just, you know, I mean, well, obviously we knew like McKinney Boyd is going to be incredible this year because of all the talent they had coming back from their, uh, their state semifinal run last season, you know, but you had the pedigree with Prosper and Allen and Plano was, was 10 and one Plano East was shaping into one of the more uh, impressive comeback stories as they had already exceeded their win total from the previous year. Um, I was really, really excited to see kind of how baseball season was going to go in that district. Um, but, um, but nevertheless, um, yeah. So, uh, that's um that's just kind of a look as to what uh, as to what went down in uh, in Plano athletic, athletics this year, be it uh, the ISDs or the private schools and whatnot. Debbie, look, you want to chime, chime in on something? Yeah, I was going to ask you a question. Um, you know, we're, we're sports guys. We're all about numbers and whatnot and streaks and what. So, how do we do this in the future for baseball and softball in terms of playoff streaks? So, if you if you have a team that made fifteen consecutive playoff appearances, do, does that streak end? I or do you pick it up next year and say, you know what, it's still consecutive because they never actually get to play the season? I, That's, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're going to snap any of these streaks just because they never, they've never even had the chance to play the playoffs, yeah. you think, right? You think no, I, I, agree with, I, I agree with that. Yeah, but that, that's just, a good question, though. Yeah, but yeah you just, think just for the sake of just out of, out of just decency, just because given the uh, the unique circumstances, that, you know what, we'll, uh, we'll just kind of give this year a pass and then everything just kind of carries over. I mean, granted, yeah. like, who's the, I mean, there's really no, like, there's no official, like, body that decides the stuff. It's basically just kind of, you know, if the program wants to say, like, yeah, we still got a 15-year playoff streak intact, then, yeah, who are we to disagree? It's not like they had any say in, the, in this <laughs> pandemic coming down and ruining their season. Right. No, I, I, I agree with it, with both of y'all, of what you're saying. I just, it just, it's going to seem odd when you sit there and say, um, yeah, they've made, like, say, Rowlett Baseball, for instance. You know, if, if, if next year they say, okay, they've made 20 straight playoff appearances starting in two, like, that started in 2000, and people start doing the math. Now, people are going to be cognizant of it because it's so recent. But, you know, just over time, it's going to sound odd. And, and, yeah, going off that, too, like when I first came, got the job here, Matt had told me my markets who I was covering. So, obviously, you showed me that website, the athletics department. You see playoff appearances each year. And let's say somebody – down the line, anywhere, any school in Texas, anywhere, they they step into a job somewhere. Someone stepped into a job in Round Rock or Austin or wherever. They look at their playoff runs 15 years from now. They're like, well, they've made it to the playoffs in 20 of the last 21 years or whatever, and they think 2020 wasn't a playoff appearance, but they don't realize sports yeah. were canceled in that, in that 2020 season because of this pandemic. And it's just weird yeah, so- to think about that. Yeah, because I guess technically the history books will reflect that there wasn't a playoff appearance recorded yeah. in 2020, but we, we know the deal. Right, yeah, we know we'll, we'll do right by those programs going forward. And, oh, yeah, yeah well, we, we, we know, but you know how short-term memory goes. I mean, five yeah. years from now, people are going to look, okay, yeah, that, that's not a legit exactly. streak. Okay, exactly, even yeah. though it is legit. <laughs> Um, kind of on that same note, speaking of baseball and, uh, and softball to that point, um, are any of y'all, do y'all know of any districts in your coverage areas that are still doing all district lists? Have not been told of any for those sports. 
Yeah, my, my I've had a couple coaches that are that are discussing it. Um, I mean, there's it's so hard though because you know you, you run into a handful of teams maybe in tournaments and whatnot, and, and you know you, I mean of course you know the personnel on on your district opponents, but I mean what what criteria do you use to, to vote an all, all district team? Yeah. Because I, uh, you know, talking at least over in 6-6-A with Louisville ISD, they're not doing one just because the numbers that uh, I guess would go towards deciding the list. I mean, they use district stats to help. Yeah. You know, the so obviously, with there's uh, with those not being recorded and never taking place, then yeah, they're not going to do it. But I wasn't. I was just kind of curious if maybe some districts are thinking of maybe kind of offshoot ways to kind of find ways to kind of uh, encapsulate the season. I know, um, you know, obviously it's not a uh, you know a district or anything, but DFW Fast Pitch, the uh, the softball yes. uh, the softball uh, outlet. And whatnot on social media there um you know they didn't do a, an all metroplex team they instead decided to honor just basically the uh, the careers of a handful of seniors and whatnot by just naming a bunch of seniors based on the uh, the totality of their bodies of work so as we uh yeah as we kind of think of different ways to kind of i guess uh you know kind of put the uh, i guess especially the stick and ball sports the years into perspective i was just kind of curious how uh you know how some of uh, how some of our districts are handling that and whatnot because obviously it's very 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 unique circumstance with no district stats really being recorded in baseball and, and I I think we'll know more this week. I mean, I, I have a lot of soccer coaches and soccer districts that are just now meeting this week to determine all district. You know, some of them did it as early as spring break, um, just to knock that out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, this week, I, I've, I've just talked to a lot of coaches and said, hey, we're, yeah, we're going to touch base and see if we can figure anything out. So, um, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if they did it. Um, Again, though, it's just kind of hard to hard to tell. You know, I mean, how do you make yeah. those decisions? You know, not having seen, not, you don't have the stats. You just have a handful of games in your build. Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously one of uh, one of many questions to be answered going forward is to try to, I guess, uh, find uh, some sense of normalcy as they try to pick up the pieces from the seasons being uh, prematurely canceled due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. And yes, that'll uh, that'll conclude this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, the first of our uh, of our school year interview series will be back next week with uh, three more, maybe four, uh, maybe four more markets to discuss and look back on the school year that was um, Devin. Chris, appreciate you guys tagging along. Um, but yeah, until next time, folks, take care. Talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.